Everyone who has been granted the gift of sight understands that light shines best in darkness. Light shines brightest in darkness. Whether you've struck a match in a dark room, or whether you flip the light on on your phone searching for something in the garage, you understand that light shines brightest in darkness. One of the most frustrating examples of this for me is whenever I find myself in Duck, North Carolina, you look out across the sound, the beauty of the water and the moon shining down on that water, and someone over on mainland Currituck County has decided to put a huge tower At the top of that tower is a blinking red light. And it distracts from everything. Distracts you from the beauty of the water. Distracts you from the tallest of trees. Because in the darkness at night, that light shines for miles and miles and miles. Because anyone who's been granted the gift of sight understands That light shines brightest in darkness. And so it would be easy, as we come to the Gospel of Luke this evening, to read it only against that backdrop of our human understanding that it is obvious that light shines brightest in darkness as we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 section titled Jesus' Death, we read this. And now about the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And so I ask, is this merely another example of light shining brightest in darkness? That at Jesus' death, God was actually shining a, a bright light as darkness came over the land. I would submit to us all that it is so much more. This is not light shining brightest in darkness. This is a picture of Jesus Christ conquering the darkness. Throughout Scripture, there are these images of how God brings light into dark places. It starts in the very earliest chapters of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 1, the first few verses... The first few verses, we read that the earth is formless and void, and that darkness hovers over the surface of the deep. And God calls out, let there be light. Let there be light in the midst of that darkness as God creates. You move on in the Genesis narrative to chapter 9. The story of Noah and a dark storm that has clouded the earth for over a year. And then there's a rainbow as the sun shines again. And so you have light shining in darkness at the creation of the world. You have light shining in darkness at the recreation of the world as God calls Noah and his family to be fruitful and multiply again and to fill the earth. And then you move on from Genesis to Exodus and you see a man named Moses 
tending his flocks in the darkness of the desert. And he comes across a bush that's burning. Light in the darkness at creation. Light in the darkness at recreation. Light in the darkness as God calls out to Moses that he has come down to rescue his people. And another scene back in the book of Genesis. Not only does God create and recreate and rescue his people with light and darkness, he forms a covenant with his people in darkness. In Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham talking with God about God's promise. In the middle of the chapter, we read that the sun is setting and Abram falls into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness comes over him. The story goes on, just so we're clear, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appear. And they pass through these pieces of animals that Abraham has cut as he makes this covenant with God, this contract, this agreement with God. This is how they made a covenant in the ancient world. They would ritualize it by symbolizing the penalty if someone was to break the contract. And whenever they would ritualize these contracts, the one who was less powerful would always have to walk the ritual path and say, if I break this contract, I will be cut as these animals have been cut. But as you see in the biblical story, it is not Abram who passes through the pieces of the cut animals. Abraham is sidelined as God himself appears as light in the midst of darkness and says, I will take on the curses of this covenant. I will fulfill this covenant between me and you, even if you are not faithful to the covenant promises. So God creates light out of darkness. He recreates with the light of a rainbow He rescues his people from slavery in Egypt with the sign of a burning bush lit up in the middle of the desert. And he comes to form a covenant with his people as a light, a torch, in a dark moment, passing between the pieces of these cut animals, promising that he would one day be cut if we were to ever break the contract of the covenant. And so we come to Luke chapter 23 with this backdrop of God using light in all of these dark moments. It is now about the sixth hour, Luke writes. Darkness covers the whole land. But what happens next is not simply that God makes his light shine in darkness, What happens next is that darkness is actually broken. Darkness is actually torn. Darkness is actually ripped in two, symbolizing that the darkness has actually been conquered. Verse 45, for the sun stopped shining 
and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The curtain of the temple symbolizing the separation that existed between God and man. The curtain of the temple symbolizing that there were only certain people at certain times of the year that could go into one certain place and experience God's presence. It gets ripped. It gets torn. It gets broken. It is conquered. When I was in college, I was a religious studies major. I find that many of my fellow religious studies majors had difficulty finding jobs. I am grateful to have this one. And in one of my religious studies classes, I found myself sitting next to my parents, for it was parents' weekend. And it's always an embarrassing moment when your parents have to come to college with you. But every year the college would invite all the parents. Many of them were paying the bills. So they opened the doors and allowed the parents to come in and observe what was going on. And there I was in this class with my parents. It was a class on the Gospels and the professor lecturing about the history of the Gospels and what we could know and what we couldn't know. And the professor finished his lecture early and he said, wow, I guess we can let the class out early unless anybody has a question. My dad raised his hand. I thought, Dad, he meant the students here, if they had any questions. My dad raised his hand. He asked the professor, he said, you've been talking a lot about the Gospels, but it seems like you're avoiding certain topics. And the professor said, like what? My dad referenced this passage in Luke 23. It was now about the sixth hour. And darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And my dad said, what do you make of the temple curtain tearing in two? What do you make of that symbolism of the holiest place and all the earth is now ripped apart and and opened up and God is now accessible to anyone who would seek him? What do you make of a scandalous scene like that in the Bible? And I'll never forget the professor's answer. He looked at my dad and said, we have decided not to ask questions like that in this class. And I think his answer is something that many people go through their life saying. We have decided not to ask questions like that. We have decided to be satisfied with a general maxim of wisdom. Light shines brightest in darkness. Isn't it true? You've lit a match in a dark room. Light shines brightest in darkness. Isn't it true? You flip the light on your phone. 
in a garage. Light shines best in darkness. Isn't it true that somewhere it says that it was dark and God said, let there be light? We go through our lives saying, we'll be satisfied with that. We won't ask the deeper question of why does the darkness seem to persist? Why does the darkness seem to have taken over my life? Why does the darkness seem to reign when all I want is light? Is there a solution to this darkness other than general wisdom? Sometimes even us unknowingly have said in our hearts, let's just decide not to ask questions like that. But God's light does not merely shine in darkness. As Jesus breathed his last, and as that curtain is ripped in two, God's light actually conquered the darkness. And we were brought into the holiest of places that we might have access to him. Which is why the Apostle Paul writes these words, in first, Second Corinthians chapter 4. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The God that created light out of darkness, the God that recreated the world with light after the darkness of a flood, The God who rescued his people with a light burning in a desert. The God who made a covenant with his people with a flaming torch passing through the carcasses of dead animals. That same God actually gave his light to us through the face of Jesus Christ. And so we no longer have to merely settle for light shining. We can know that he has conquered the darkness of our own souls when we put our faith in him. When we have the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so as we close our evening, I ask us all to gaze one last time on Jesus on that cross. For when Jesus breathed his last, the temple curtain was ripped in two and light conquered the darkness.